0: Hello, and welcome to Tapeheads. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Lindsay.
0: Tapeheads is the podcast where we select a VHS tape from either my collection or Lindsay's collection, we watch it, and then we have a little chat about it. Last episode, we dipped into Lindsay's collection for the Tom Hanks Classic Big which was an interesting experience
1: oh yeah the classic that now makes us uncomfortable
0: it was funny actually on a recent episode of last week tonight with john oliver (laughs) he brought up that exact same thing that the biggest comedy of 1988 was one in which a 30 year old sleeps with a 13 year old
1: and no one thought it was a problem
0: yeah Well, happy Leap Day, Lindsay. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's February 29th, and as I said on the last episode to audible groans from Lindsay, (laughs) we're leaping back in time to 1957 to a little hokey alien movie called Invasion of the saucer men
1: so this this vhs tape has a tagline creeping horror dot 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 from the depths of time and space i don't understand where the time comes into this
0: you know i don't understand where a lot of things come (laughs) into this film um to give you a little background when i was a kid i was really into horror movies and sci-fi movies um and occasionally, when I'd tag along with my dad to the Tower Records in Fresno, I would go over to the horror section, check out the sci-fi section, and occasionally get to take home a tape, usually one with the scariest cover. And that's how I ended up with a copy of Invasion of the Saucerman, which was actually one that I would watch pretty often. It's a black and white, sort of low-budget 50s alien movie. Put out by American International Pictures, who, if that sounds familiar to you, they were sort of an exploitation movie company that ran throughout the 60s and 70s, and Roger Corman was heavily involved with it, gave a lot of people their start, AIP like James Cameron, Ron Howard, Jack Nicholson.
1: Kirk Douglas did Kirk... a movie with them. Holocaust 2000.
0: Oh, yeah. they. This is the kind of company that would make really cheap movies, especially with, when Roger Corman was involved. They'd put out as many as 20 or 30 movies a year, usually packaged up as double features, especially for teenage audiences, kind of... Your standard drive-in fare, you know, where the kids would just neck in the cars instead of watching the Mm -hmm. actual aliens on screen.
1: Well, and this was supposedly a double feature with uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, right? Yes, correct. And
0: as far as these movies go, this is a pretty solid one. I I said incorrectly on the last episode that it's about drag racing teens. I think that I was thinking of The Blob, which is a very similar (laughs) movie (laughs) with Steve McQueen. But it's the same idea where teens are aware of an alien takeover and they can't get those darn grown-ups to believe their story
1: well when I mean, you got all the teens sitting in the same area of a man what is it a man's cow farm i uh, excuse me his ranch and they're just making out in cars and ignoring each other and making rape references well you know i don't know if i would have listened to these kids either uh-
0: Well, you know, Lover's Point existed long before the farmer bought the land. Old Man Larkin, excuse me. Old Man Larkin. But yes, there is a lot of uncomfortable rapey things that went over (laughs) my head when I was a kid. (laughs) But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Had you seen many movies like this?
1: I'm honestly trying to think. I think the stuff that I watched that was most like this was I sometimes saw Outer Limits episodes. With oh my yeah. Mom. And she do she would sometimes watch the made for TV sci fi movies and stuff like that. So I think that's the closest I got to watching movies like this.
0: Yeah, I, the the aliens. I love the alien design in this movie because it's it's kind of your standard little green men. They're kind of reminiscent of the Mars Attacks aliens in that they have these huge bulbous veiny brain heads Mm -hmm. and these big googly eyes and their hands have an additional eyeball on them, almost like an eyeball ring.
1: Okay, I was trying to figure that out because I didn't know if it was just for, for that one hand and it was just kind of like that alien that was hit by the car, his i mean i guess i'm getting ahead of ourselves here but his i I just kind of assumed that his dead eye popped out and attached itself to the hand so the hand could get around
0: well i think part of it is that they just reused these three or four alien costumes over (laughs) and over again but um i think that the that's just the way that they are they have an Ah. they have a third eye on one of their hands
1: interesting i liked the hand design they're really creepy and veiny
0: so yes this is definitely a very low budget film late 50s it almost feels like early 50s or late 40s it's kind of got that oh gosh let's all join the military (laughs) kind of vibe to it
1: well it even feels kind of like early 40s i mean i think the black and white helps because by this time everybody was using color but i don't think a colored film was in their budget sean you've gotten another film that didn't have any trailers at the beginning
0: yeah, I guess picking an older movie, you have to face that hurdle. So you still have a sizable lead on me in our ongoing trailer battles.
1: But it was interesting because this is such a short film. It's only 72 minutes. It's barely over an hour.
0: Yeah, and they were padding. There's an entire subplot in which there's these army dudes trying to get into a spaceship that goes absolutely nowhere, is completely disconnected from the main plot and takes up i'd say a good 20 minutes of the movie yeah
1: i feel like if you would cut all of that it would still be the same movie yeah it wouldn't change anything
0: yeah this was they're definitely stretching to make this a feature
1: but i mean they this was based on a short story right
0: yeah and i'd be curious to know what that uh original short story was all about one of the things that's really memorable to me about this movie are these titles that it has it's uh Made to look like a book. The movie focuses on a couple conmen, Artie and uh, his friend Joe. Joe, played by Frank Gorshin, who was the Riddler on the old Adam West Batman. <laughs> and one of the sort of the framing device of this movie is that Artie is narrating, and he's written about a book about these events. And it kind of brings to to mind this whole unreliable narrator sort of thing because yeah. he's a drunk and a con man. And the credits are made to look like they're pages of his book.
1: Which is weird because it's like an opening to a children's movie. It was making me think of Cinderella.
0: Yeah, and even the music is very playful and light. This Ronald Stein score, which is also a really memorable thing. It's this full orchestral score that's very just playful and almost sounds like a looney tunes mm-hmm. score
1: and it's got really cute illustrations on each of the pages too illustrations that don't quite connect with what happens in the movie
0: and the saucermen look much kinder and gentler in the illustrations yeah. than in the movie where there are these they're these huge brain monsters
1: there's one where there's a boy hanging off the back of a flying saucer and that sort of thing
0: so basically what this movie is about is there's some crazy teens who are gonna run off in a together but um driving out of lovers point where all the kids of hicksburg go to nick they run over this bulbous headed alien and kill it mm-hmm. they pretty much spend the rest of the movie trying to convince someone that there's an alien invasion happening
1: and it's very very difficult because no one wants to listen to them which they kinda have reason to, because this guy was driving around with his headlights off in yeah. a wooded area.
0: And they reek of booze because this these aliens essentially have alcohol for blood. Yeah. They have these needle like fingertips that if they prick you, you basically become drunk.
1: And if you're or you've already been drinking, you can die of alcohol poisoning.
0: Yeah, which is sort of an interesting thread going through this. There's almost like this alcohol awareness subtext to it yeah but very clumsily done because it's the late 50s and it's american international pictures meanwhile this deployment of really dumb army dudes who have camped out in front of the flying saucer there are no aliens around it's just the saucer And they're trying to get something to happen. So they basically are standing there staring at the flashing lights of the saucer and occasionally shooting at it to make something happen. And nothing does in that plot thread.
1: The first adult they try to convince is the rancher. Because, I mean, well, actually, the police just brush them off yeah and then the rancher confronts them because the rancher thinks they've been messing with his cows
0: well they another thing about this movie is the kids at lover's point are constantly throwing their half empty beer cans to the bull, who apparently loves to drink so the bull is always drunk so of course the farmer is mad <laughs> and and he doesn't believe their story what did you think about the scenes at lovers point with all these teens
1: i think it was sort of riffing on teenage sexuality which i think was coming more to a fore in the late six uh, in the late 50s right and then there was the sexual revolution of the 60s
0: i mean these exploitation movies and i think that's basically what this is it's a cheapo movie aimed at teenagers
1: yeah it was kind of making fun of them like they were kind of dum-dums oh yeah hanging out making out there's a scene toward the end where they're confronting the aliens trying to save everyone and there are still teens that are just making out ignoring all the entire world around them there
0: isn't much of a sense of danger here and it's never quite clear what the aliens want there's only like five of them and they're about three feet tall. And if they prick you, you just kind of get drunk. Unless you've already been drinking a yeah. ton. I think the body count is one. And it's Joe who is already blind drunk.
1: And driving drunk. And driving
0: drunk. <laughs> Everyone Casually. drives drunk in, in the 50s apparently.
1: Casually driving drunk. There's a lot of sexism in this movie. Like The opening scene has Joe tricking the waitress at a diner to let him see her boobs he wants to look down her cleavage.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. He also asks for directions to how to get to first base with her.
1: Yeah, and then when we go when we cut to the kids making out out on Lover's Point. What what was it? You said there was a scream from the flying saucer.
0: Well, there was a scream when the bull shows up.
1: Oh, it was when the bull shows up. There we go. I forgot about that. They had a bull puppet head that was harassing some of the teens to get some more booze. A girl screams and then another guy that's making out with his girlfriend in a car shouts words of encouragement. Go man, go! Johnny, the young man that wants to elope with his lady, he tells her that- what was it?
0: He said something to the effect of getting her in the mood with some beer. Just a lot of like quietly rapey things in this movie. (laughs)
1: I laugh, but it's very 50s. <laughs> yeah. The kids don't really work
0: for me. They are so dumb. And even the aliens, their plot is kind of dumb. So they run over one of the aliens and and uh, the severed hand, there's kind of this evil dead two thing going on where the severed hand of the alien can creep around on its own and still prick you. And so this severed alien hand like punctures their tires and so they're stranded. And later they see one of the aliens using a jackhammer on the front of the car. And they're like, oh, he must be mad at the car. He must think that that, that the car killed his alien friend. But as it turns out, it's this elaborate frame up where the aliens are trying to make it look like the teens killed joe who was the one that overdosed from the alcohol blood yeah which is such an elaborate plan for aliens that just landed they have a astonishingly accurate view of how our criminal justice system works exactly and it's like to what end like what are they really trying to do here
1: i mean they want revenge i guess
0: I guess, but it's like there's too few of them to really take over. It is an invasion of the saucer men.
1: The thing is, too, it's really convenient. We haven't said how the aliens could be killed. They can be killed by lights. And I think it's really convenient that we have Johnny driving around in the dark with his headlights off so that's not revealed early in the movie. You don't find out until later.
0: Yeah, I never understand why he's driving around with his headlights off. I think like, it's is just he... a
1: device that so you don't find that out.
0: I guess so. Because
1: they probably, when they were making the movie, were like, wait, if he has his lights on...
0: Because the thing is, is that we're supposed to feel for this kid because, no, he didn't run over a kid. He ran over an alien. It's kind of like he just as easily could have run over a kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, he really could have run over anyone. If you hear any fluttering, that's our birdie host joining us for the show. Yes,
0: Lindsay is recording this podcast with her cockatiel Quetzal on her shoulder (laughs) because she was chirping loudly in the other room. She wanted to be involved.
1: Yeah, she doesn't like to be left out. She really wants to express her opinions.
0: Yeah. So if you hear any obnoxious chirps during this episode or any fluttering of wings, that's Quetzal.
1: Taking umbrage at whatever we've just said.
0: Yeah, she's still pissed off we didn't pick Polly for this episode. So in addition to these dumb, dumb, dumb teens, we've also got pretty dumb conmen too. Joe and Artie.
1: Can kind of everyone is dumb in this movie. Is there one smart one?
0: Um, I mean, I guess
1: ultimately Johnny is the one that helps arrange their defeat.
0: I'll say that he's committed to defeating the aliens. The way he goes about it is pretty haphazard. It's kind of an accident that they find out that light is what kills them. Mm -hmm. I do like these con men, though. We first (laughs) meet them, kind of tying one on. They're passing through town. They kind of... It's kind of weird. Like, do they live together and, like, share a bed together? It's kind of a strange friendship that they have.
1: It was kind of weird that he had a queen bed. Yeah. But, uh... I think, they, I think they are roommates. I think they're housemates of some kind. They're, they're definitely uh, committed to each other. Um, Artie is our voiceover at the beginning and end of the film.
0: Yeah, kind of our narrator, despite the fact that he's asleep for most of the uh, film's action and has only woken up until the movie's like two-thirds over. I remember thinking Artie's hair was so cool. He's got one of those kind of flat top widow's peak type haircuts
1: does not look good <laughs> you don't
0: you don't you don't like that and what if i had hair like that
1: no and he's kind of he kind of
0: looks like Mo howard also but anyway we're supposed to believe that these con men are great friends but when joe is killed the only fatality in this movie mind you Artie doesn't seem that torn up about it it's
1: really not sad at all
0: and when the kids show up to tell him, like, no, it, was, it wasn't us driving drunk. It was aliens. He's just kind of like, oh, okay. And he grabs his gun and his camera and he heads out into the night to, to check it out.
1: Well, partly because he also wants all this evidence because he can use it, right?
0: The, the, one of the last things that Joe did before he died was he called up Artie and said hey there's some aliens clean out the fridge so I can take home its corpse so I guess he did sort of have reason to believe their story
1: except that Artie then in response puts cotton in his ears and goes to sleep Artie's very... He really didn't care about Joe. He's
0: a pretty passive protagonist, if we're to believe that he's the protagonist here.
1: It's it's weird, because he's, he's the voice. He's our narrator, but he's really not a protagonist.
0: He's also knocked out for most of the ending, too, because the aliens get a hold of him.
1: Yeah, and they alcohol him up.
0: Oh, yeah, they booze him up. In fact, that leads me to my theory about this movie. And again, it's the theory of the unreliable narrator... It's already been established that Artie is a con man. Yeah. And he's written a book about what happened, this invasion that took place one night in Hicksburg. A
1: book with darling illustrations.
0: And describing events that, in in the case of the kids, he's hearing about secondhand. And in the case of this military cover-up subplot, there's no way he could know about any of that. And also the ending in which he's drunk because he's been spiked by the aliens we're kind of led to believe that this might all be made up because the beginning of the movie says based on a true story.
1: The thing is, then we have the rabbit hole of how much is made up. Did Joe ever exist? Was Artie somehow responsible for his murder and this is his own cover up? Maybe Joe is
0: just fine. And he uh, he co-authored this book.
1: <laughs> he, he's the one that was the artist. Yeah,
0: Artie is really a, a pretty memorable character to me. Um, he he sleeps through most of the movie, and he has like this Nazi pistol in his nightstand. He's got like. Wait, this... how
1: did I miss that detail? Basically, when
0: when they tell him about the story, he grabs his uh his camera. And he, he opens his sock drawer and takes out, like, this old Walther P38 pistol. And he's like... I think that Johnny asks something to the effect of, Is that a real gun? And Artie says, It was real to the Nazi I took it off of. Oh, jeez. Johnny looks at the gun and he says... You really took that pistol off a Nazi? Artie says something like, "It's not that hard to take it off a dead Nazi." <laughs> so he kind of, it's kind of like, okay, well, Artie killed a bunch of Nazis. That's his backstory. We later discover that these bullets don't do any harm against the aliens, and it's only when they're using uh, the spotlight on the car to get a better look at these aliens that we realize that the the light hurts them which
1: spotlights on cars i get having that on a police car but just the regular their regular car had that i've never heard of a spotlight on the car
0: yeah that doesn't really make a lot of sense they also there's also that one of the better scenes in the movie is when the teens are driving along and that severed hand is creeping around in the back seat and it grabs yeah. a hold of uh joan
1: that was a really great scene
0: again i sort of wonder if sam raimi saw this and that's kind of where the severed hand and evil did too comes from oh. but i don't know i don't know it's just conjecture on my part i guess i guess the real way that they figure out that it's light that that melts the aliens is when they're using the flash on the camera and it just liquefies that's kind of a cool shot
1: Oh yeah, I was a little bit bothered by uh, there's a scene where th- one of the aliens attacks a bull, which we don't really know why this is happening. We don't know
0: why the aliens are doing any yeah. of this.
1: but it was interesting because they were cutting between a what is it a, a fake bull head and then an actual bull. And watching, I was a little concerned for the bull. I wonder if they injured it in the making of, because they had to have been poking it, poking it and prodding it to get some of the reactions they got.
0: They're really quick shots that consist of real animals like geese running away scared. <laughs> there's, re- there's a real bull running around with an obvious dummy just a tat, like glued onto it. And then for all the close-up shots, it's clearly like a fake, like, stuffed Mm -hmm. bull head that the actor is sinking his, uh... A lot of reused footage in this movie of the alien hand stabbing on. I think that's a side effect of these exploitation movies would be shot in, like, a few days. Like, they'd crank them out so fast.
1: Well, and almost all of this was filmed on a set.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it definitely seems like animals were harmed during the sequence. Yeah,
1: the geese, that's fine. I don't like geese. (laughs) (laughs) but the bull i'm concerned for the bull
0: yeah the bull the only shot that sort of troubled me during that whole bull fight is uh when he kind of like keels over and hits the ground yeah like i guess he could sort of train an animal to do that but bulls aren't that bright
1: i don't yeah i don't think that's training i think i mean they maybe they just waited around for him to decide to take a nap but i kind of doubt it
0: yeah we also encounter, there's a whole other subsection of idiots that we hadn't <laughs> talked about yet, and that's the police of Hicksburg. Oh, God. Who, granted, they're kind of just doing their jobs. Like, they're, they've are they pretty much concluded that this is a hit and run and that uh, uh, Johnny was drunk. Um, well, because they
1: find Joe's body underneath the car. What else are you going to think? The way that they
0: go about this case is so haphazard. They Johnny and Joan are so... It's so easy for them to escape police custody. They run off and steal a cop car. Like, they're just the most bumbling police force. And after all this, they don't really care about all that. Because Joan's dad is a city attorney. I mean, I guess that sort of gives her a little room to escape the fact that, oh, the city attorney's daughter wouldn't run off.
1: Yeah. I do kind of wonder, we didn't see after the fact what really happened we kind of saw the point where they destroyed the aliens but that means they destroyed the evidence and then the flying saucer was blown up by the military men
0: also the cops let these kids off the hook so easily like after they've stolen a cop car The cops call up and say, oh, you know, we found out that that Joe guy just died of alcohol poisoning. So most likely you just ran over his dead body.
1: Which should still be a problem.
0: I mean, I I don't know if that's exactly a crime. But yeah, I I mean, it's just amazing that all is forgiven. And that uh, at the end of the day, they don't really need the cops to believe that they're aliens. Because like you said, they were completely vaporized by all those crazy kids turning on their headlights at the same time.
1: And no one's going to believe that there were ever any aliens because they were vaporized and the military men blew up the ship by accident.
0: I mean, I guess that's why that subplot exists, along with just stretching out the runtimes. It explains why there's no trace of these creatures and Artie was able to write a book about it, a big expose about this invasion.
1: That makes sense.
0: This movie, more than any other alien movie, was really influential on me as a young kid. Um... The first movie that I ever made was this movie called The Invasion with my uh, cousins. I think it was directly inspired by this because we made like paper bag alien masks. And it was just me and my cousin Paul going around um, strangling other family members. And I think that oh I think that Invasion of the Saucerman might have been the biggest inspiration for that. Um, even just the word invasion... I checked out a lot of movies sort of like this at this time, like The Blob I mentioned, uh, It Came from Outer Space, a lot of the big bug movies like Deadly Mantis and Tarantula. But I think this one was the most memorable for me, mostly because the aliens were so kooky. And it was kind of gorier than a lot of movies from the 50s. Like that severed hand and like the bull stabbing the alien in the eyeball.
1: But you don't really see too much violence there the the one murder we have he's killed in the bushes
0: well i'm not talking about the violence against the people i think the violence against the aliens is pretty graphic like that severed hand creeping around has like a bone jutting out of it and Uh, the fact that there's a close-up of the bullhorn like piercing the alien's eye like some of that's pretty extreme i guess that's
1: pretty gross i don't know about the bone sticking on the hand being too
0: i just feel like if this was a studio sci-fi movie like if it was put out by universal instead of aip we wouldn't see that level of gore at this time interesting um american international pictures would go on to kind of go along with whatever was popular at the time during the 60s uh They put out a lot of um, Edgar Allan Poe adaptations, like Mm -hmm. The Raven, which is Jack Nicholson's debut. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, in the 70s, they put out all of those famous exploitation movies like Coffee and Foxy Brown and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. with Pam Greer. They kept at this, uh, this model of putting out really cheap exploitation movies, I think until like 1980.
1: All right, Sean, I think it's about time. Do you buy it, rent it, or tape over it?
0: I feel like if I just watched it for the first time, I would say tape over it. Because it really is a clunky, schlocky movie. I'm going to say rent it mostly out of nostalgia. I think the alien effects are cool. And I, I just kind of... You know, they don't make them like they used to. It's mm-hmm. kind of a fun 50s B movie.
1: Yeah, I could see that. What about you? Tape over it. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's not... Awful. It had its interesting points. It's a, definitely a time capsule. I, I enjoyed watching it, but I don't know if I can recommend it.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> if I would recommend this either. I think if someone asked me what a a good sci-fi movie from this time would be, I'd probably point them to The Blob.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Just because it's a similar idea. It has Steve McQueen. It's about. It's the same idea where the teens know that a takeover is happening but the adults don't believe them but i feel like the threat is much more menacing it's you know the blob just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it eats more things and it led to an awesome remake in the 80s so i would probably yeah you know i'm sort of in between tape over it and rent it i think nostalgia just barely pushes me over into rent it territory Next episode, uh, I guess we're going to be into March. We're switching over to Lindsay's collection. Are you doing something for St. Patrick's Day? Like Leprechaun or Leprechaun 2? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Leprechaun <laughs> in Space? What, what, what movie but are you is, doing?
1: Is Leprechaun in Space really a thing?
0: Oh yeah, there's Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> Leprechaun back to the hood. I really wish I had the St. Patrick's Day episode. <laughs> Maybe next year.
1: Next time we're going to watch... My family's favorite, Uncle Buck.
0: All right. With John Candy.
1: It's a John Candy classic. It's a family classic. And it might even have a little swearing in it.
0: Oh. Mm -hmm. Is that a John Hughes movie?
1: Yeah, he was the writer of it.
0: Ooh. All right, so be sure to tune in uh, Monday after next for Uncle Buck. I'd like to thank Will Price for use of his song Mandatory Groove. You can hear more of Will's music over at SoundCloud.com slash
1: For more information on our other episodes, you can check out our website, TapeHeadsPodcast.com. You can also look us up on iTunes and rate and review.
0: So that's it for TapeHeads. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Lindsay.
0: Until next time.